My name is Gavin Gee. I'm Joseph A. Smith, Jr. Hi, I'm Buzz Gorman. My name is Bill Matthews. My name's Tom Grunstall. My name's Darren Domang. Neil Milner. John Ryan. My name's Steve Antonakis. And this is an oral history of the start of the nationwide multi-state licensing system, better known as NMLS. Hey there, everyone. I'm Matt Longacre, and I'll be your host for these next few episodes on the history of NMLS. I wanted to open up these episodes with just a few notes as you listen. First, you'll notice from the introduction that we have nine, yes, nine different guests. At times, we'll drop introductions for each person, but as we progress, you may not be clued in to exactly who is talking each and every time. I'll just need you to trust me. Every single person we interviewed was deeply involved in the development of NMLS and are speaking from firsthand experience. And on every occasion, the interviewees near perfectly corroborated each other's stories. If you really want the names of the person speaking at a given timestamp, there will be show notes forthcoming with the transcripts. Second note, these recordings were conducted over a very long period of time, more than a year's worth of time, And even then, there's been a delay between the last recording and today's release. Some guests, like Bill Matthews, have retired since recording, while others have taken and moved on to other jobs. And our CEO and dear colleague John Ryan passed away. We've made the decision to include the recordings as they are. The people we speak to may be in different places and different stages, but their stories are still just as important. As John so eloquently put it when we started this project, I'm a big believer that you need to understand where you came from. And if you don't tell your own story, somebody else will tell it for you. And and there's really important history that occurred here that really expresses the value of the state financial regulatory system. Important things happened at critical times that weren't easy to do. And it's noteworthy in the history of uh, our nation's financial system and worth highlighting and documenting. All right, that's all from me. We're going to jump right into the discussion. I'm Joseph A. Smith, Jr. Um, I was North Carolina Commissioner of Banks. Before that time, I'd been a lawyer in New York City, general counsel of a small regional bank. The highlight of my career, I was commissioner. I was nominated by President Obama to be the director of the Federal Housing Finance Agency in 2010 and did not get that. It's the best job I didn't, I never got. The best thing that never happened to me after that was monitor of uh, mortgage servicing settlements with ultimately eight major financial institutions, including the largest banks in the country. And I'm now retired from law practice and um, am a senior fellow at the Global Financial Market Center at Duke Law School here in North Carolina. My name is Gavin Gee. I am now retired uh, after having worked for the Department of Finance or representing the Department of Finance at the AG's office for just over 42 years. 
and uh, it was a wonderful career. I started out as a securities investigator, uh, examiner. After that, I was uh, promoted the uh, bureau chief position, which is the lead over certain industries. I was appointed by newly elected Governor Batt to be the director of the Department of Finance and uh, served in that position until I retired in 2019. You know, we talk a lot about the early 2000s. It was a time of significant change in so many different fronts in the United States and especially so in the financial world after Regal Neal, you know, the the consolidation of large banks was happening. There was a lot of change in the non-bank industry. I wanted to get your perspective on what the environment was like in that 2002-2003 timeframe in the mortgage industry. Well, you're absolutely right, Matt. It was uh, a changing world back then. There was a lot of activity uh, for uh, regulators like us and uh, and especially in the mortgage uh, industry, because what what we were seeing was uh, and really an explosion of new uh, mortgage lenders, mortgage products, and uh, for example, the GSEs, uh, which had dominated the mortgage secondary market, were were no longer dominant. There were you know private companies. Uh, entering that space and um, a real expansion uh, in the mortgage uh, industry. We had a lot of concerns about growing fraud and uh, predatory lending. A, a number of states, not ours, but a number of states had passed very restrictive predatory lending laws, which um, most in the industry uh, strongly objected to, and in fact, uh, and some of the bigger companies said, "We won't do business there, or we won't buy uh, mortgages uh, where they have those kinds of laws." So there was a lot of pushback uh, by industry with respect to predatory lending, even though we were seeing an increase in predatory lending and abusive practices and fraud. And Joe, you entered in North Carolina right around this time, didn't you? Well, I was uh, nominated to be the commissioner in uh, mid, well, early 2002. I was finally confirmed and took office about mid-year in 2002. And what's interesting, Matt, about that from the point of view of the narrative is um, I had been a bank general counsel and knew a fair bit about banking law and the the title of the job was commissioner of banks. And so I thought, well, that's a job I can do. But a year, actually two years before um, my uh, ascension to office, um, the General Assembly had adopted a mortgage licensing statute uh, and it was about to go into effect and we weren't ready yet. So I now knew when my predecessor had, <laughs> had, had retired. Um, and so with the help of some very good staff, we got, the more, our own state mortgage licensing system set up. And for the next really three or four years, I was essentially commissioner of mortgages in North Carolina. I told the bankers at the time, you know, you guys behave, I'll be back for you. But um, right now the, 
the mortgage situation is not good. And so I'm going to be paying most attention about that. So <laughs> help me out. Don't get in trouble. So what really interests me about what you just said, um, when you go back and you read the history of this of this time frame we're going to talk about from 2003 to about 2010, 2011, uh, folks will have you believe that nobody saw what was coming in 2008. But what it sounds like is North Carolina had some concerns. It sounds like there was some state legislation. It sounds like you were aware that there was something going on as you were building out this this group. What was clear was that there had been, that the General Assembly responded to, not to nothing. I mean, there had been allegations and examples of uh, what was called predatory lending, high cost lending to people who didn't know what they were getting into and got into trouble as a result. This is this is back at the turn of the, tw- the 21st century. And so um, North Carolina had adopted, um, it, the, I think actually, actually, I think it was the first of the state anti-high-cost loan laws, which were commonly called anti-predatory lending laws. And it followed that with mortgage licensing. And again, one of the first, I won't say the first, but one of them. Uh, but it was with a fairly broad consensus uh, not only among advocacy groups, but among the banking community. All of them knew something something was going on that was wrong. People were getting in the business who didn't know what they were doing. And what did some of this predatory activity look like? We started licensing, I would guess, around 2003. I mean, by the time we got it all set up, the system that was end of 2002, beginning of 2003. And, and you know, it was a lot of people. I haven't gone back to I get the numbers wrong, but I think, frankly, you find it hard to believe now, but it's like 15,000 individual loan officers and uh, 1,500 companies. Uh, by the way, by the end of the crisis, by the end of 2009 or 10, each of those numbers had fallen to about a third, right? So it was 500 companies and 5,000 or fewer uh, non-bank licensed originators. And But what we found when we started licensing was you had people who I mean, and I had hundreds of hearings because we denied a bunch of people of applications because people had criminal records, because they were um, disbarred lawyers, um, and because they just generally didn't advance. They had we actually didn't run credit reports on some, on people, and they had terrible credit themselves. So um, it was a series of things we did to try to be sure that the people in the marketplace. I mean, the statute said that the people who were uh, originating mortgages had to be of a, of a character and fitness such that they would command the pu- public trust and confidence. They would do a good job. And there were a lot of people who didn't meet that um, standard. So we found out that there were a lot of people in the business who shouldn't have been in the business or if should only have been in the business if they had adult supervision and only after they'd been trained. And a lot of people had none of that. Um, and so it was, um, what was clear was there was something that needed to be done. And, um, so we started doing it. Now, Darren, I know you have some experience here and some interesting stories. Can you introduce yourself and hop in? My name's Darren Domang, uh, currently retired from the Louisiana office of financial institutions. I was there from, um, for 30 years, um, Started out as a bank examiner, then uh, then did some bank review, credit union review, uh, then applications, uh, branches, mergers, acquisitions, de novo banks, uh, holding companies, 
and then uh, moved to the non-depository division to head up a newly started mortgage licensing and um, examination section. Uh, then later was promoted to uh, chief examiner of the whole non-depository division, which is where I was when I retired. I want to say it was kind of chaotic. We, we started finding some fraud. Um, uh, we started finding some individuals that uh, were in the business that probably shouldn't be because of their criminal backgrounds and stuff like that. We, we found an interesting uh, thing was we found some a company operating out of Louisiana that, that had an appraiser, a mortgage broker, and a title attorney that were all partners in it. And they were putting through purchase transactions and making them look like they were refinances and getting cash out. Uh, that was probably the most interesting thing we got. And that was early on, uh, around 2001, 2002. They ended up, we, we closed the company and then a couple of them went to jail. Uh, but for the mortgage market as a whole, I came over from the banking uh, side and I was used to uh, reviewing credits in banks and, and banks had really stringent standards on uh, who they gave credit to and, and, and what kind of criteria you had to meet to be able to get credit. And when I, when I started looking at the mortgages, I couldn't believe uh, some of the things we were seeing when, uh, particularly with sub, sub, subprime loans. It was, the, it was the era that that period we're talking about was kind of the era of the um, stated loan where, where if, if an individual couldn't, get, couldn't verify their income, they could get a stated loan. Well, that was intended for like self-employed people and farmers and stuff like that. But during this period, we saw people that were working at Walmart or restaurants and stuff using stated loans, um, and it 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 just didn't it, it didn't seem like they were creditworthy. Uh, and also, it was a time when when we had historically low interest rates, and therefore the the um, the 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 cost of substandard credit was still affordable for these guys these people. Because of the, it was it was about a 300, if I remember right, it's about a 300 basis point difference between a prime loan and a subprime loan, and since rates were low, that still made um, the subprime loans appear to be uh, affordable for these people um, because because rates were so low. Uh, that's that's kind of what we were seeing. I remember I remember talking to. You, some people at the first armor conference I went to and, and tell them that I just, I couldn't believe the difference in, in uh, qualification criteria versus a, you know, a commercial loan at a bank versus a, a, a home loan. And uh, I, I told them, I said, I, I just didn't think that, that the disparity in the subprime market and the, and the prime market was adequately priced. And that, that was probably around 2003, 2004. We're seeing problems in Idaho, in North Carolina, in Louisiana, clearly in places all over the country. Now, Steve, um, Steve Antonakis, can you introduce yourself? Um, and then I want to want to ask you a question. Sure, happy to. So good afternoon. My name is Steve Antonakis, currently serve as the executive vice president for risk management at Eastern Bank. Started my career as a entry level bank examiner with the Massachusetts Division of Banks. And then in January 2004, uh, became the commissioner of banks and served in that role throughout the financial crisis until uh, November of 2010, at which point I departed and joined the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau 
ultimately serving as its deputy director and associate director for supervision enforcement and fair lending. So you entered a leadership role at your state agency as the market was shifting. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, um, you know, we were in the midst of a really low interest rate environment, you know, still stemming from from 9-11. And uh, a lot was happening in the mortgage environment and in the the industry in terms of, uh, you know, new products, new services, a lot of activity, tremendous growth in terms of the number of companies, the types of products and so forth. At that point, um, in Massachusetts, as well as I think in a number of states in the country, we were focused primarily upon abuses in the refinance market. And a number of states, including Massachusetts, certainly, uh, of course, uh, Georgia and North Carolina passed predatory lending laws that were really focused on abuses in refinances. We were implementing regulations as part of that law, you know, well into 2005. And, you know, the market shifted and a lot of the abuses moved from the refinance market to the purchase money market. And, uh, you know, of course, that led to another challenges we would deal with for, for years to come. Do you remember anything particularly surprising that you discovered while you were doing licensing and enforcement actions? Uh, I learned not to be surprised. Um, So there was a lot of really uh, challenging things that happened, right? And certainly there were abuses, you know, throughout the marketplace from originators to brokers to lenders to, you know, investors, uh, uh, rating agencies, you name it. Uh, but I can only speak to the piece of the puzzle that we supervised itself. So uh, in 2006, we abandoned our uh, scheduled examination program. So typically we would give uh, banks or non-banks notice of our exam. So we went to an all-surprise exam uh, basis for our non-bank mortgage companies and non-bank mortgage lenders because of abuse and fraud we were seeing in the system. Uh, Applications submitted to automated underwriting 10, 20 times a day until the income was just right. Whited out uh, 1003s, falsified VOEs, falsified VODs. Uh, I had examiners dress down so they could dump, so they could dumpster dive uh, and get a true sense of really what was going on. So we saw you know, widespread abuse in the market, I would say in that 2006, 2007 era. All right. So 2005, 2006 is where I want to go next. So let's reel it back just, just for a minute, back to 2003, 2004. Now, Buzz, you were working at CSBS during this time, and I was wondering if you could first introduce yourself and then help us understand what states were seeing through their collaboration with one another and through CSBS that prompted a response that was a more coordinated approach to handling this abuse. Hi, I'm Buzz Gorman. I joined CSBS in 1996 as a legislative person. Uh, I worked on the Hill and they hired me off the Hill to do legislative activities for CSBS. I'm currently CSBS's general counsel uh, and I've been here for 25 years now. So you were seeing across state lines too. What exactly did you see uh, going on with mortgage supervision? Uh, absolutely. But so you had a bad actor in one state; they could jump to another state uh, and start taking advantage of the citizens of another state. In in some states, uh, interestingly enough, they have two different agencies that that regulate uh, the mortgage broker. Uh, where there was an issue of 
you know, a bad actor being uh, regulated by one department, getting kicked out, license being revoked by that department, and then moving to a whole other department to do the exact same thing they were doing uh, when they were kicked out of the first department. So um, not only were there issues of states talking to each other, but sometimes there are issues within a state of state agencies talking to the other agency. Um, that was a that was a real issue. Okay, then. So the stage is set. It is 2002-2003. Gavin, director of the Department of Finance in, in Idaho, you are about to become the chairman of the Conference of State Bank Supervisors. What's going through your mind? I think the state regulators, in, including myself, we're very concerned about that we've we've got to do something because uh, this you know we just can't tolerate uh, an entire industry that is uh, out of control and and is uh, growing rapidly and expanding and and so it became a major concern when I became chairman of CSBS uh, in 2002 uh, late 2002 and into 2003. This was a uh, one of my greatest concerns as chairman of CSBS that state regulators really needed to do something. We we needed to act. We needed to address you know the fraud, the predatory practices, the uh, expansion of the industry, and all of the changes that were occurring. Gavin, I'm going to jump in here and stop you. We have set the stage for what states were seeing in the mortgage market. Up next, we're going to talk about the creation of NMLS, the states coming together, and the challenges it took to make it launch. Stay with us.